Hey, Hannah. Hey, Kate. How's it going? It's good. It's good. What are you What are you drinking today? Today, I have some decaf coffee with a little grass-fed butter. Mmm, so good. Yeah, this butter, you can tell the difference. <laughs> that butter is so good. Yeah, it's just the Costco butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Costco version of the, the Kerrygold mm-hmm. butter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Especially since, like, I feel like we don't use a ton of butter. You know, it's not like we're putting butter on toast every day or something yeah. like that. So when you just add a little bit of it to your dishes that you're making or your coffee in the morning or cookies. Yeah, <laughs> or oh my gosh, or brownies or muffins. Oh, it's, it, you can taste it for sure. And it's, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. I love butter coffee. Me too. What do you have? Well, I am drinking this delicious tea, chocolate and coconut tea oh, from yum. Hardy and Sons. Um, this tea, actually, in case you didn't, in case you didn't know, this uh-huh. was gifted to me. By, oh, it was by a dear, dear, <laughs> dear friend of mine. Um, she's actually my roommate. You might know her. Her name's uh, her name's Kate. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no way! Wait, I'm Kate. You're Kate. Thank you for this. Wonderful birthday present. <laughs> I I really do love this tea though. It is it's my go to tea whenever I'm like craving a hot drink. Mm, I just want good. Yeah. Chocolate coconut tea and it's good like by itself like just brewed regular mm-hmm. and it's also good with like a little bit of milk or if you want to go all out and do kind of like a London Fog style you know tea latte option. It's delicious with that too. Oh. It's a great it's a great tea. Good. Everyone I'm not so vers- versatile. <laughs> it is so good. So thank you for. Being the provider of today's drink. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Okay. Ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Howdy from Houston. I'm Kate. And I'm Hannah. And today we're going to talk about the social determinants of health. Yeah, it's a topic we've kind of been talking about in class, um, our practice of medicine class, or as we like to call it, POM. Mm -hmm. Um, POM focuses on a lot of the things about being a doctor outside of medicine. You know, like outside of the like the science, yeah, yeah, outside so of like, yeah, we get to practice with actors who come in and pretend to be patients mm-hmm. and uh, people who come in and know a lot about their bodies. So mm-hmm. we get to do we get to practice doing physical exams on them. Yeah, a lot of the techniques that I'm sure everyone's familiar with when they go to the doctor and have the little stick poked into their ear and the stethoscope on their heart. You know, like yeah. like all that kind of stuff. You know, we're learning how to do all of those techniques. Um, and you know, the proper lingo (laughs) and everything associated with that. But we also get to focus on, um, a lot of the non-scientific sides, or I don't know if you'd want to call it scientific since statistics in a way, you know, still science, but, um, the non like chemistry, biochem, microbiology side of medicine. So access to healthcare, um, you know, physical location in the world um maybe like racial disparity you know stuff like that like a lot of the things that maybe hasn't traditionally been taught in med school but is just as important to learn about and be aware of and incorporate into your practice as a doctor yeah which I'm like I've been kind kind of surprised but pleasantly surprised that we've been learning about all of this stuff because it's something before coming to med school that I started to look into a little bit and realize that there's so many different things that can impact our health Mm -hmm. outside of just, you know, oh, my knee hurts. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to the doctor. And over time, 
Like if you're, you know, chronic knee pain for years and years and years, potentially get a knee replacement. Like sometimes there's a little more that goes into it than just the knee pain for several years to knee replacement. Yeah. It's like, well, like where did this knee pain start? You know, and it might be because this person has a job that requires them to do a lot of heavy lifting every day. And getting a knee replacement is really vital to them continuing to do this job and supporting their family Mm -hmm. and, you know, making a salary. Like it's a lot of stuff that maybe you don't think about the secondary tertiary levels of how this might affect a patient outside of just you're in pain. Let's fix the pain. Exactly. Yeah. Just as a simple example. Yeah. Yeah. So in class, we've been doing, uh, we did the recent project, right? This yeah. Windshield survey is what we called it, mm-hmm. um, where we, we were each assigned like a different location here in Houston. Um, so this is, you know, where potentially we could be practicing me- medicine as residents, where we'll definitely be learning uh, during our rotation years. Um, so we were assigned these different regions and went out to these locations to just learn a little bit more about this actual physical environment. You know, what do we see? What do we visualize while we're out there? What kind of people do we see? You know, what do we see in the in the homes? Is there litter everywhere? Is it really clean? Is it a well-maintained place? How close is it to grocery stores and gas stations and public transport, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we were able to learn a lot more about this area that we currently call home. And, yeah. and outside of just our normal routes that we take you know I have the same direction that I go to get to HEB and to get to school and to get to Costco yeah (laughs) but I don't often go exploring western suburban regions of the city you know yeah well and also even within families is there are there family members who can't drive and yeah are those some of those family members adults because some adults can't drive yeah and how might that impact the family especially if you know you need to go to the pharmacy to get your medication or get to an appointment get to an appointment right so just thinking about all of that stuff because a lot of the times not a lot of times sometimes doctors you know we obviously really want to help our patients and sometimes it can be a little frustrating when for whatever reason the patient isn't complying but Mm -hmm. instead of getting frustrated I think the conversation now is shifting to okay well let's see why they aren't adhering to their medication. Mm-hmm. For example, a common a common example is a diabetes patient who isn't taking their insulin regularly. Yeah. So let's take a look at that. Can they afford their insulin? Mm-hmm. Can they get to the pharmacy to get their insulin? Can they get to their doctor's appointments mm-hmm. to have regular checkups? Can they do they have access to foods that supports their um, diabetic diet yeah like a diabetic Mm -hmm. diet or do they not have access to fresh food and is the easiest access to food like a gas station with chunk food and (laughs) packaged foods and yeah maybe if you're lucky a banana or two yeah yeah I um I definitely realize living here in Houston um how necessary it is to have well I wouldn't say necessary but how much easier it is to just operate day-to-day with a car oh my gosh well Houston is such a driving city yeah and actually I think that goes for most of the U.S. I would agree there are very few cities in the U.S. where you can not have a car one of those is New York City (laughs) yeah and potentially Chicago Mm -hmm. actually probably Chicago too 
Um, but, and I don't know about, like, cities in California. Yeah, maybe. Maybe San Francisco, you don't need a car. Yeah, potentially. But, like, most cities, and now there's Uber and things like that, but, you know, I mean, Uber so every time. Yeah. yeah, that adds up. Yeah. It can definitely cost a lot. And just thinking about, um, you know, just access to anything. Access to, like you said, your doctor's appointments, the pharmacy. It's something that I, owning a car, you know, don't ever really think about that often. You know, it's like, oh, I need to be at this location at 5 p.m. for the appointment. Okay, cool. I'll leave my house at 4.30 and get there no problem. Whereas somebody who doesn't have a car or isn't able to drive, they have to map out, okay, well, what's the public transport to get there? And oftentimes to go the same distance for public transport, maybe you have to walk to different bus stops that are, you know, half a mile away and that could take you a little bit, you know, and then you get to the bus stop and the bus only comes every 30 minutes. Sometimes the bus is late. Sometimes it comes early and you miss it, even though you were there on time, you know, and, and the whole trip could end up taking you like an hour and a half. Yeah. And so that's a whole chunk of your day to get to this appointment. And oftentimes if you're in that position, your time, I mean, for, for everybody, your time is so valuable. Right. And if you, if you have to take off a half day of work, to account for three hours of travel yeah. to get to an appointment, like that is a significant consideration. Yeah, well, especially if um, you're more low income mm-hmm. or you're just really busy with work and like can't take time off yeah. because you have so many responsibilities. There's so many, because like I definitely know of people, you know, of all socioeconomic classes who have a really hard time getting off of work mm-hmm. definitely can be harder um, for lower income people because you literally need to make the money to put food on the table. But yeah, just taking the time off of work to get to an appointment to travel there. And yeah, I mean, you might not want to go to the appointment because that's a whole half a day of work you lost. Yeah. And that's, it's a lot easier to look at too if you're single. You yeah. Know, if you're just one person taking that's care true. of yourself. It's a whole nother ball game if you're taking care of one child, two children, another family member, you know, whatever it is. And not only do you have to take care of yourself, but maybe you have a responsibility of taking care of other people. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a lot of doctors maybe don't consider some of the things that for the patient are a more pressing issue. Even if the doctor sees like, hey, your diabetes is really out of control. Like, let's try and rein this in. The patient might not see that as a big deal because they're struggling with their their child, like they need to get their child access to stuff, and maybe their child has some sort of like condition that they need to get to doctor's appointments for. And so the parent is going to be way more focused on getting their child places and not as concerned about their own diabetes. And if you as a doctor are not aware that those are the concerns of your patient and understanding what your patient considers to be important, like it's going to be impossible to coordinate care. Yeah. Well, and even if your patient is more focused on putting food on the table for that child, mm-hmm. then likely they're going to, you know, if it comes down to it and they don't have enough money one month for their insulin and they could buy dinner for their child or insulin or like buy a whole day's worth of meals for their child or insulin, like mm-hmm. they might pick the meals for their child. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just like a hard, just just really sad that you know that they have to pick between that yeah and so I think that's what's been the most enlightening um taking this course is just 
putting yourself outside of your own experiences and I mean first of all recognizing like that I have been you know really blessed in my experiences growing up like I wasn't concerned about not getting health care you know yeah. like I was provided for my parents took really great care of me you know and and recognizing that as a doctor a lot of the patients that you're going to be taking care of are not going to be in that position and knowing knowing how to not just take care of them but empathize and understand yeah. and really put yourself in their shoes and 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 know what resources are available to help them the best that you can as a doctor yeah because at the end of the day we are still trained to fix the problem in front of us mm -hmm. but m more often now we can provide resources for patients and we can still be there for them um more than we used to which is mm -hmm. which i think is a really good thing yeah yeah i would agree and kind of building off of transportation another something that kind of goes hand in hand with that is food deserts mm -hmm. so technically hannah and i i think live in a food desert i think so if yeah. i remember looking at that map yeah so a food desert is you can define it a bunch of different ways in some in some definitions, it's a low-income area uh, where people are um, more than or more than half a mile away. I from think the it's grocery half a mile, store. right? Yeah, half a mile away in a city or ten miles away in rural areas, mm. and there's a there's another like categorization where you can be a mile away in a city, ten miles away in a rural area, or you can be a mile away in a city and 20 miles away in a rural area. And that's like... Yeah, that's kind of wild. Yeah. 20 miles to 20 a grocery miles. store. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and like... I get that because it's rural. I get right. that. Like you're surrounded Well, by even 10 land. miles away yeah. in a rural area, that's like... I, don't, I guess I don't know how fast you're driving um, yeah. on those kinds of roads, but 10 miles to the grocery store. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's why like there's a whole categorization of rural medicine yeah you know because they're the considerations um that you have to look at are sometimes wildly different than in a in a city or a suburb you know like access to care is very very different in a rural area yeah well and if you think about people who might not have access to a grocery store mm -hmm. well isn't it just easier to swing by the fast food place on your way home to grab something rather than going all the way to the grocery store. Yeah, more in like an urban style setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the way to the grocery store and then having to come home and like cook. Now there's a lot of frozen meals, so that might be a little different. But it's just like, and, and for people who don't have cars, especially in Houston, mm -hmm. um, and would have to carry their, like walk yeah. home with their groceries. Yeah. I just think about that in our area and it's just like especially like in the summer when it's so hot outside you can't you like cannot go outside between like 2 and 6 30 mm -hmm. in the afternoon but if you need to get your groceries you yeah need to go if to you the need bus it stop. yeah exactly yeah like I, I just think back to like when i was in college my freshman year i didn't have my i didn't have my car um i was like oh i don't i don't need it there's a bus system like it'll be fine and and I mean, I, I did go the year without it, and it was a little challenging, but oh, wow. um, it was the only way that it was 
feasible was because I had friends that had cars that were willing to take me places. But going, I remember the first time I went to the grocery store without a car, like I took the bus and I was shopping for everything and I finished like picking everything out that I wanted and putting everything in my cart and kind of took a look at what I had at the end of it and realized I'm not going to be able to comfortably carry all of these bags back to my apartment or yeah. my you know dorm or whatever and and so I had to go back through and put things back and then even then I still had like a bunch of bags that were heavy and I carried all the way out to the bus stop and the bus stop was like half a mile away which you know it's not that far but it's far when a you're half carrying a mile a with stuff. a lot of groceries yeah and then I waited for the bus and it took like half an hour for the bus to get there and and these all sound like really small problems and they I mean I don't want to say small problems but waiting for a bus for 30 minutes can easily sound like oh that's not that big of a deal you know but if you're if you're having to do that every day and that's your daily life and you and it's not just like a one-time thing like oh my car's in the shop so I have to take the bus yeah like if that's if that's your day-to-day that's so much time that adds up that Mm -hmm. you're not putting towards other things you know I, I feel like in med school especially we really love to focus on how we can be as efficient as possible yeah you know oh my gosh especially as an engineering background yeah. my brain yeah. is just like maximum efficiency it's all like, the time yeah it's the easiest way we can do this yeah um and if you're spending an hour for transportation at a minimum 30 minutes somewhere 30 minutes back just to get groceries that's an hour every time you have to go do that yeah on top of the amount of time it actually takes you to buy the groceries you know so it's just I don't know. It's it's stuff that I think having a car makes me not consider a lot. Like I I just don't think about it because I have a car. Yeah, you know. And it's just you just well, I just jump in the car and go places. Like even I think about I so we live near a park, but the mm-hmm. park is about 0.6 miles away. And once you get to the park, it's really pretty, mm-hmm. but on the way there, it's not the prettiest walk and I don't really like safest maybe not the safest yeah Yeah. and I I don't always want to make that part of the walk especially if your walk is only going to be three miles or something right and uh, 1.2 miles of that are are this like not so nice part yeah exactly and so for a while I was making that part of the walk and then I was like you know what I'm just gonna drive Mm -hmm. and park Mm -hmm. and then walk the parts that genuinely bring me joy in like being a little more in nature yeah and even now just thinking about how lucky I am to be able to do that to just Mm -hmm. jump the car and drive the half a mile down the road yeah yeah and that makes a big difference for people who maybe need to exercise well I mean everybody needs to exercise but maybe a little more importantly for like they're trying to lose weight or trying to manage diabetes or Mm -hmm. hypertension or something and and they need to be more active. It's a lot easier to be active if you can walk to um, an area that's pretty to walk. You know, a, a safe walking space. Like for us in Houston, you can walk down by the bayou or around a park. Yeah. Um, and and if you live really close to that, if your doctor tells you, hey, you need to get 30 minutes of light exercise a day. You know, walking is a great example. It's a lot easier if you're just right across the street from something. But if you live in yeah. an area where there aren't a lot of sidewalks or to get to that nice area, it's a mile and a half away. Like you're not gonna walk a mile and a half to go walk more. Like you're not gonna do that. Yeah. Well, and that's actually something we had to take a look at for our um, 
wind, windshield survey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a windshield survey this week was, are there open spaces nearby? Mm-hmm. Are there sidewalks? Can people easily walk? Yeah. And another note on the, like, on the note of doctors maybe um, recommending their patients exercise a little more is a lot of patients who might need to exercise a little more might also need a bit of a healthier diet Mm -hmm. too. And if, again, another thing, if you're far from a grocery store or maybe you've never grown up cooking Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's kind of just in your family, um, like a, a little bit of generational low income type of thing, that can be another really challenging barrier to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that maybe isn't asked as often or recommended as often in a clinic setting. Um, you know, it's really easy as a doctor to just recommend, hey, you know, eat more fruits and vegetables, you know, eat a, eat more protein, you know, cut back on the sweets and carbs or whatever. You know, like, it's really easy to just vaguely say those things and maybe provide, like, a little paper handout or a pamphlet or something. But if we're not really considering, you know, hey, do you know, like, do you know how to how to cook? Like, yeah. do you enjoy cooking? Is that something you like to do? How often are you making home-cooked meals? And when you're making home-cooked meals, like, what are you cooking, you know? And yeah. and I think a lot of it just comes down to education and doctor, doctor-patient education and um, yeah. having those kinds of conversations about what does a healthy diet actually look like and how can we easily implement that, especially considering their location, access to healthy foods, access to transportation, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and maybe even connecting like certain patients with nutritionists mm-hmm. if they are inter- if the patients are interested, if the um, or maybe as a prescription, just like hey, go see this nutritionist. Yeah, and they can work even more closely with patients to um, make sure they they can learn how to cook and make eating healthy simple mm-hmm. because it can be simple. And it can be really complicated. Yeah. So I like to choose the simple thing. <laughs> Me too. And also on the on the feasibility of affording that, as doctors, and this is, I mean, there's a whole mess when it comes to the healthcare system in general, but as doctors, I feel like it, it's not as easy to be, or you know, current doctors for them, it's not as easy to be as informed about the... Um, the payment side of things and insurance and like what's covered, what's not covered. And most of what you would learn about that, I would think would be through experience, you know, and through realizing like, Hey, your patient came back and didn't pay for their medication because they can't afford it. And so it's like figuring out, okay, well, what, what is the cheapest option for them? You know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, and there are, you know, evolving apps and things like that that are coming out to try and make that process a little simpler, but specifically with nutritionists, um, that's an that's an option that is sometimes covered by insurance. Oh wow, I didn't know? even know that. Yeah, and and, it, and sometimes it's you know specifically for an indication of like, hey, they need to follow a diabetic diet, so want to refer them to this specific diabetic nutritionist. And and like there are options for that. And as doctors, I feel like we will be able to at some you know down the line advocate for our patients in that way. Like you know, <laughs> one of the things. One of the things my dad told me growing up that it has kind of stuck with me when it comes to a lot of things in life is just everything's negotiable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, nothing has to be black and white. You yeah. know, just because something is written as like, hey, this these are the rules, this is what Medicare says is covered, or this is what Blue Cross Blue Shield says is covered, it's like, well, call them up. Yeah. See if, see if that's actually what has to be covered. Like, hey, I have a patient who's pre-diabetic, and I'm really concerned about their diet, and they don't know how to cook anything at home. And I'd yeah. love for them to go to a nutritionist, and this will make them a healthier patient. Can we get this covered? 
And not to say that that's going to work every time, but right. like, but it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. And yeah. as doctors down the line, like, or as future doctors, like we want to be able to advocate for our patients in ways like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And help people with maybe some of the more like root causes of why they might be experiencing certain diseases. Yeah. And there can be a whole host of other factors. Like there's environmental factors. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, education. Education. Yeah. yeah. Well, several patients, I just learned this week, there's a significant proportion, portion of the population in the U.S. that is illiterate, mm-hmm. which I had no idea was a problem in our country, but that has a big effect when doctors prescribe medication and they explain it. And a lot of the time when you go to the doctor and they explain something, even I'm like, uh, okay, uh, Do you say twice a day or once a day, yeah. two times, or wait, well, hold on, what'd you say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, not, it's kind of hard to retain everything sometimes that you hear from the doctor. And then if you go home and you get your medication and you can't even, you don't even know what the label says. Yeah. Like, that's a whole other issue as well. And there's a, well, from, like, the couple of abstracts I've read, it seems like there's a lot of shame around illiteracy as mm-hmm. well. And so a lot of people who can't read are probably not going to admit it mm-hmm. and probably not going to get help because they probably won't admit that they're they can't read yeah which is really sad so as future doctors you know there's a lot of, there are a lot of uncomfortable conversations that I'm sure we're gonna have to have mm-hmm. um, and that's something that maybe we haven't discussed as much as being on the list of questions to ask you know yeah like you know it's We've talked about how it can be a little uncomfortable to ask about sexual history and things like that. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, asking a question about literacy might be a little uncomfortable, but you need to know these things about your patient to take better care of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's just a lot that goes into um, getting health care mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with medication or microbiology or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and, and just... <laughs> The economic situation you're in, you know, what your what your education is like, what the education is like in the area, yeah, um, how nearby hospitals are, how nearby clinics are, what are the hours of those clinics, you know, what are the hours of your job, what kind of coverage, healthcare coverage do you get from your job, do you even have healthcare coverage, you know, mm-hmm. um, what's your infrastructure like, you yeah. know, do you have a ton of potholes in your area, you know. Do you, is it wrecking your car? Is it wrecking your car? Yeah. How clean is your water? Yeah. Um, how clean is the environment that you're living, like your home, your apartment, your whatever, you know? Yeah. Is it, are you at risk for asbestos, you know, whatever? Like, yeah. like what other things are affecting your patient's lives that have nothing to do with their family history of diabetes, you know? Right, <laughs> right, Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot to consider, and I think it's I think it's really great that this is something that's being incorporated into medical school coursework. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to make us better doctors at the end of the day. I think so too, and I'm glad medicine is leaning in this direction of like, oh, okay, well, this patient lives in in this such a way, mm-hmm. so let's see if we can help them from that angle mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, because we really are looking for long-term solutions. Yeah. You know, we're not looking, we're not trying to be quick-fix doctors. No. We're not trying to be, you know, like, hey, you have a problem with this, so here's this medication, keep taking this forever. It's like, well, maybe they wouldn't need to take this medication if this one piece of their life was just a little bit different. Right, yeah. Let's look at that. 
Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean, I think, I think this is an important note too, before we wrap up, but just that it doesn't mean that the doctor has to do everything. Right. You know, we're not trying to say that as a doctor, you are now also a social worker. Right. But as a doctor, it is, it is part of your responsibility, you know, in taking care of your patient to look at every aspect of your patient's life. And that doesn't mean you have to be the person to fix it all. Right. But, but just at least connecting them to resources yes. and making them feel like they have support mm-hmm. and you're there as a resource as well, but maybe something like how to improve your home environment is not your area of expertise. So you can mm-hmm. refer them to a different resource for that. Yeah, and I know things are starting to kind of trend that way in hospital settings and clinic settings of more people are being, like, jobs are being created and people are being hired to kind of fill that role. Mm -hmm. Um, But it'd be great if that was um, more the norm. Yeah. And and actually efficient and, like, a well-oiled machine and not just a, oh, I'm sure there's somebody that knows how to do that. Uh, Ask the front desk. I'm sure they can connect you with somebody. And the person at the front desk doesn't know who it is. You know, like, yeah. eventually I hope that this will become something that is way more integrated and cohesive. Yeah, I would agree. Um, well, thank you for listening. Yeah. We wanted to bring this up because we thought it was an interesting part of health and medicine. And our curriculum. And our curriculum, Mm -hmm. yeah, that isn't really talked about, and I think it's talked about sometimes, but I also don't think people are aware that it's starting to become a thing in Western medicine, Mm -hmm. because I had no idea that, like, coming into med school, it Mm -hmm. was something I was interested in, is, like, treating the whole patient, but I didn't realize western medicine institutions we're starting to care about this too mm. so i think yeah. that's pretty cool and also just in general if you're not in medicine it's good to think about where someone is coming from mm-hmm. from several different perspectives and yeah. like maybe if this person is i don't know having a bad day and not handling it very well okay well maybe they have all this other stuff going on and mm-hmm. you know just, just just having having more grace for humanity in general yeah you know and like as hippy dippy as it sounds you know just treating everyone with love right <laughs> <laughs> you know hey like, yeah that's what we're here to do we're we're here to be loving towards one another yeah and that's... and do that in in what we do every day in life, yeah you know and support each other support and you. yeah yeah all that good stuff you know, so. one big happy family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thanks again for listening. Um, let us know what you think. You can email us at howdyfromhoustonpodcast at gmail.com. Howdy from Houston podcast is all one word. And we would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Catch uh, you next time. <laughs> catch you next time. Have a good day. Bye.